Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Secrets of Marketers podcast, the only podcast you can rely on to give you real, raw, unfiltered marketing advice covering the latest tips, tricks, and tools that millionaire marketers use to make money online. I am your host, Jeremy Blossom. Sit back, relax, and let's start discovering the true secrets of marketers. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another show of the Secrets of Marketers podcast. I am your host, Jeremy Blossom, and today I am so excited for you to hear from my next guest. I actually have more in common with this guy than I have with anybody else on my show. That is because we are both from the exact same small town outside of Cleveland, Ohio, called Parma. In fact, he went to a high school that's less than a mile from my high school, and he has become a complete juggernaut in online uh, businesses. He's a, a, a well-respected entrepreneur, a expert email marketer, and the founder of Capitalism. He is also the host of the 1% podcast and the self-proclaimed future owner of the Cleveland Indians. Ladies and gentlemen, I have Ryan Moran on the show with me today, and this episode is a little unique. Some of the episodes that you guys have heard thus far, I kind of do an intro with my guest. And this one, I actually wanted to cut right to the part where I asked him what's working for him right now when it comes to marketing, and I want you to hear it. So without any further ado, let's cut right to the part of the conversation that I think you guys would love. I hope you enjoy. Thanks. My question to you was... What, how do you amplify and what are you doing now and, and what's working for you? And you said, if I'm going to be completely honest, what's working for me is that I'm going to get into, I'm getting into uh, partnerships with other people's audiences and the fact that how well this is actually working out for you. And I, I wondered to the people who are listening here, how they can take this as an actionable item is that uh, what he's doing, what Ryan's doing is he's joining the conversation. So the com- where is the conversation being had about the problem or solution that people are looking for? So if you have a, an XYZ widget that is perfect for people with lower back pain, then are there places that people are going to and having a conversation about lower back pain? And then even better, what he's you were just about to tap into here is the endorsement aspect of it. If it's somebody who's the authority, someone who's like the guy or gal who's like, I own, you know lower back pain and and everybody looks at this person and then you get to join in about how your solution um, is in line with what they believe a good solution uh, should be for the the problem that you're trying to solve then all of a sudden you're you're you, you've hit the jackpot because you you are being relevant you're you've got authority through somebody else advocating for your stuff so you were going down that range that that line of thinking and I and I really liked it yeah and and let's take this one step further um my entire business thesis at this point is to go find that pool of audience and develop solutions for them. So I think we need to look no further than Kylie Jenner. (laughs) Um, Kylie Jenner is the youngest billionaire in history because she had a really responsive audience and someone had the foresight to launch a business to that audience. 
Like that, mm. that is joining forces. That yeah. is looking at where there's media and giving them what they want. Um, That's a great and, analogy. And, 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 and we have, it just came out a couple of weeks ago that Lady Gaga is doing this and it's Amazon specific. You know, we have huh. this really weird opportunity right now where there's audiences and there's sales channels and products are the easy part. You know, we, we, we often will, will spend a lot of energy thinking about what products we're going to release in our businesses, but we have the, the real, the real money, the real opportunity is in the distribution, which is audience and its platforms like Amazon and Shopify and used to be retail. And so if we focus there first and then we say, okay, what does the audience want? Let's put it on the platform that, I mean, magic just happens. So I am an audience first entrepreneur. I'm not a product first. I am looking at where there is attention, what they care about, and, and what do they want? Because going and developing that is easy. Collecting the sale is easy as long as you are entering into where there's already pent up demand. Yeah, I love it. You're again going back to the big picture, true and try strategies that um, so many people are missing, and so many people are fi- following the tactical implementation of something. How do I go and create, uh, you know, a, the perfect Facebook ad? Mm-hmm. And look, we could have the perfect Facebook ad, and we serve it to the completely wrong audience. Um, it doesn't matter. That's right. <laughs> Game over. Game That's over. Right. So I'll I'll, t- I'll tell you a quick story. So. A company that I have uh, taken a part of is called Flex, and they're a food company. They develop just add water recipes uh, for some of your favorite foods. So pizza crusts and cake mixes and stuff like this. And the audience was built on Instagram, making these amazing recipes that were made out of applesauce, egg whites, and protein powder. And, Mm. and, you can you can make some amazing things out of high protein, low carb or low sugar combinations. And he was just doing recipes. The the founders of this company were just doing recipes and selling recipe books. And the reality was the the audience wanted food. Yeah, they, they wanted to buy the food. And in that case, like we met and we struck up a relationship. And a lot of people know me for my background in selling on amazon.com. But the platform doesn't matter. You can own amazon.com if you own the audience. You can own retail if you own the audience. Look at what Dave Asprey has done with Bulletproof. So I saw this opportunity and and, and I looked at Flex and what they were trying to do. And it was, you have a responsive audience that wants stuff. We partner it in with the platform, do a little bit of marketing and it's been a great experience, and it, it and and that that to me is entrepreneurship, where you're in the position where you are bringing in resources rather than thinking your way to success. Another good example is um one of my I can't quite call him a mentor, but someone that I, I spent some time with is is Brian Lee. Brian Lee was the founder of LegalZoom. He was a founder of Shoe Dazzle with Kim Kardashian. He was the founder of the Honest Company with Jessica Alba. He was the principal investor behind Honey, the app. Um, he's mm. now building Art of Sport with Kobe Bryant. He has $3 billion companies on his resume. And 
he said something to me. We did a podcast interview together and he basically was saying that he sits in this seat where he looks for he looks for product opportunities, product lines. But mm-hmm. his first question is really where is the audience and who do they follow? And let me create a relationship with that person. And then he goes and he raises the money and he hires the CEO and he stays in the owner's box. And so his job is not figuring out every Facebook ad. It's not figuring out anything except who am I going to partner with? Who am I going to raise money from? Who is going to run this company? And where is the opportunity? That's entrepreneurship. That's owning a business where I think most people are looking at it selfishly of how do I build a life using this internet thing? And they're very different approaches. Yes. Changing the lives of someone else, right? That's really where it comes down to. The best businesses in the world are in the business of changing someone else's lives, not just changing yourself um, or your own life for your own personal gain. Um, I'm glad you said that because you might be familiar with the hero's journey. You know, the, the idea of yeah. we're all uh-huh. on an adventure. We, we hit certain obstacles on that adventure. We meet a mentor who helps us overcome those obstacles. And then we return home a different person. Well, most people view themselves as the hero of their story. And in their business, they think that they as the founder are the hero. But the truth is that it's your job as a company to be the mentor, not the hero. The mentor's job is to assist other heroes to overcome obstacles on their journey. The minute Mm -hmm. you get that, you start operating a real business. The minute you get that your job is to help the customer overcome hurdles in their life, now we're talking. Now you got a shot. The minute that you forget that and you think that your business is the hero, that now you are operating selfishly. And you are always going to be stuck. You're, you're 100% correct. That reminds me of a, of a great story with a client that I have. Um, these guys um, were in the investment uh, space and they would help people protect and secure their retirement um, using this really kind of obscure uh, tax code and a couple other um, interesting things. Pr- pretty simple process. But um, when I first met them, they they hired us to help them with customer acquisition. So they gave us a budget. We started buying media for them and started helping them acquire. And the leads that they were getting were okay. The success that they were having was subpar. And they were getting frustrated with me. And um, I, I'll never forget the conversation I had with the two owners. I'm pacing in the parking lot of my uh, of my office as these guys are, are basically re- reading me the riot act and saying, "Look, if you can't figure this out by the end of this month, then like we've got to find somebody else who can help us." And so I walk back upstairs. I tell my team exactly what had happened and said, "Hey, this is this is a huge account. We can't lose it. We're better than this. What is actually happening?" To your point about it's about mentoring, it's about giving, it's about helping. Um, we specifically found this through taking and looking and analyzing what this business really does. Okay, what do they really, really do? And we turned it inside out. We took their process, their their way of helping secure and protect people's retirement accounts, and we said, you know what? That's the offer. Let's 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 bear it all. Let's let's share all of the secrets of exactly what the process is for somebody who's looking to secure and protect their retirement account. Yeah. And we turned it into a guide. And then we launched the guide and said, if you're looking for this, here is the solution. We just put it out there plain as day for everybody to go and read. We didn't do the typical like 
bait, clickbait stuff that we did and like all the stuff that you see online. And we that was very, very early on in StrikePoint's history, um, just a, but maybe less than a year into our business where we were really faced with this challenge. And I can tell you, Ryan, that that, what you just said is being like, hey, you know what, sir, don't think about us. How can we grow? What do we really need to do? We did it from an advertising perspective and we saw huge results. They they went on to, we helped them go from zero to a hundred million in sales in two years and four months using what you just said as, as a strategy. It yeah, works. That's, that, that's beautiful. And, and what you just highlighted was like the secret question. What does this business actually do? We mm-hmm. get high on our own supply, man. Like we, yeah. we hear our own voice all the time and we think that we're right when we're the hero of the story. But if we're the mentor, then what is the journey this person's really on? What is our real job as a company? And it's to serve that person. Okay, what do we? What does? What do they need in order for 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 them to be served? And usually we're wrong because we're not that person, and we get into so much trouble and make so many bad decisions when we forget that little thing. Yeah. That's so true. When, when in your life, I mean, coming from uh, your rags to riches kind of a story, I mean, you've you've been really, really successful doing things. What were the turning points, stepping stones for you? So I'd love to hear because I do know that you've done over ten million dollars in business per year with your Amazon business on the retail business. Going from Dunkin' Donuts to the Amazon business, and then from the Amazon business to the, to capitalism dot com. Can you go through some of the big building blocks or uh, you know things that you learned along the way that got you from that step to the next? Man, um, to be honest with you, Jeremy, I, I think that my biggest growth has happened in the trough. And here's mm-hmm. what I mean by that. Um, I, as an entrepreneur, tend to go through about five-year cycles. I don't know if this is the case with everybody, but usually when I talk about something like this, people can relate where I have an idea, I have a direction where I want to go and I have like a year of figuring it out. I've got like three, two and a half to three years of growing that peaking, being excited about it. And then I have a year of like absolute misery. I have a year where I feel like I've lost everything. What the hell am I doing with my life? Uh, uh, Things aren't working anymore. I'm rediscovering who I am. And that lasts about a year. And then I start to think about the next thing, the next iteration, the next process. And I have found for me that I have grown the most when I have just been okay going through the recession, if you will, going through the trough, going through the really, really sucky part. Yeah. Because that is, that is where you become humbled. It is become, where you become honest. It is where you become dissatisfied enough to be able to do something different again. And so I have cycled – Uh, It's been about 15 years as an entrepreneur. So I've I've gone through probably three different cycles. I'm just now at that like year one point again on the other side of a, a, you know, a few meaningful exits and paydays. And the things that I have done in that trough that have really created the next wave were not business related. 
they were usually relationship related. It was focusing on who I want to become and who I need to surround myself with. When, when I have tried to manufacture business success, I usually punt it. Like I usually push it away. But when I focus on relationships, when I focus on value, when I focus on the, the putting the rest of like the fertile soil in the ground, business tends to sprout really quickly in my experience. So the things that have created those big areas of growth have always been who I met, who I surrounded myself with, and how I could create a life in which I was constantly surrounded or had access to those people. So my podcast has allowed me to build an audience which helps me connect with other people. Putting on events, I do an event called the Capitalism Conference, puts mm-hmm. me in a room with other people that I want to be surrounded with. Um, I, I am always looking for the people that I want to do business with more than I am looking for the opportunity. And, and I think that focus of wow. being, being humble enough to do that hard work has created those big opportunities that took me from Dunkin' Donuts to owner of capitalism.com, if that even matters. Yeah. Wow. Not what I, not the answer I was expecting way better. Um, and yeah. honestly put, puts, puts a little bit of like my, I, I feel like you're reading my mail over here. I, I grew my, one of the things that I grew up like hearing over and over again is that if you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Mm-hmm. Right. And, um, and you know, then there's been a lot of data that's come out after the fact you take your top five friends, right. Da, 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 da. Um, and so, but what you just said there is you're focusing on the relationships more than you are the opportunity or the, the, the friendships more than the opportunity. Um, you know, I think that uh, Tony Robbins, I went to one of his events and, and he said that, you know, everybody is, 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 you know, personality wise, we're, we're all three, but there's always one that's like a leader and one that's, you know, it's a leading personality trait. And he talks about the artist talks about the entrepreneur and then he talks about the manager, right? And so the entrepreneur is somebody who's like always, you know, you know, opportunistic first and just like, what can I do here or there? And so I hear so many people talk about what you just mentioned, um, but they, they, I think they're, they're missing it. And I think that to hear you say that you went from working at Dunkin' Donuts to now running capitalism and, 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 you know, you just Google your name and you're everywhere. You've, you've interviewed and been associated with some of the biggest names in business, um, in the 21st century. And yet it was because that's what you focused on. Um, and another way to say it would be like, you, you know, strive for significance, not success. Success will follow significance. If you are the most significant person um, in, in your business or in, in the relationships that you have by depositing more than what you withdraw, then all the success is going to come from that, which I think is really, really well said and uh, really insightful. So let's unpack this just for a second because significance is is a is a tricky word because m- most people will pursue significance through use of ego mm. if we look at it like um you know i i believe I, I totally believe this is true our brains are not wired to be happy they're wired to survive 
happiness is a byproduct of survival. Our mm. brains reward us for doing things that help us survive through chemicals, dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin. When we have an increased chance of survival, we feel happy. When you are significant short-term, you get short-term boosts in happiness. We get this through getting more money. We get this through attention, being uh, the center of attention, getting accolades. These are short-term, we might, I might call them egoic ways of, of being significant. The way that you survive the most, though, is by being the person who the rest of the group is served by. The person who dies last is the person who has created the most value for the rest of the tribe. So the way that you get significant in the macro is by punting the short term and by being the person who is always thinking about service to the rest of the tribe. Your tribe is your customers, your employees, the people who depend on you. And when you're in that position, that's when you're happiest and you're the most significant and you end up getting the most resources in the form of dollars. And that has to come from the perspective of not what can I get in the short term, but what do other people get in the short term so that I get what I want in the long term? I think one of the biggest ways you can tell if someone is going to be successful or not, beyond even just who they hang out with, is what time frame are they playing in? Are they looking at 30-year trajectories or are they looking at six-month results? And I can usually tell if somebody's going to make it based on that question alone. Yeah. Yeah, so good. So let me put it on you then. I mean, that was really well said. How do you tactically implement that then for you and your business of what you're doing every single day, serving your employees, serving your your clients and your customers? How are you specifically acting that, you know, die last uh, mentality, which is is awesome and I love? Well, it happened for me when I found out I was going to be a dad. Until then, I was thinking about six months to six months to six months. And when I found out I was going to be a dad, it was like, well, I guess I'm living in Austin for the next 18 years. <laughs> I, I, guess, I guess I have to think about someone else for the next 18 years. Yeah. I guess I have to figure out where I'm going and what I'm doing here for the next 18 years. I can't think about short-term sprints from here to here to there to there to there. Mm-hmm. And so I was forced into it. Um, that that I, I had that perspective um, gi- given to me because of the circumstances in my life. And that forced me to start to think long-term. Beyond that, you know, on a day-to-day basis, it is thinking about developing the right systems rather than thinking about the goals that we want in uh, six months from now or a year from now. Uh, there, someone that I really like is uh, Scott Adams. He's a, he's a writer. And uh, he says that goals are for suckers and systems are for winners. We don't really have control over the, our goals. We have control over the systems that we follow. And we can always tweak those systems. 
Are we doing the right thing consistently enough to give us a shot at success over the long term? And if we are thinking about that rather than going after the result, I think we have a much better chance at building something long term. So I work with a lot of Amazon sellers because that's where I've done a lot of sales. And most of them are looking at what is the temporary hack for me to get the sales that I want, rather than thinking about what is the long-term customer experience, product experience, value I'm creating in the world. If you do those things for long enough, eventually you win. Whereas most people, I think, are sprinting towards a finish line, burning themselves out, and then then looking for the next short-term win. Yeah, I love that. It's is you got to be the player and the coach at the same time. If the coach is the long-term strategic thinker, and the coach of a basketball game doesn't think of, you know, one quarter or one play. He's thinking of the, you know, four quarters and halftime and how he can right. motivate and what, you know, he, they're looking at the whole picture. But, you know, a lot of people start in business and marketing where they're just thinking only about the coaching side. They they love these big ideas and they get caught up in this this the thinking side and they never actually do. The doing side is the player side. It's the tactical day in and day out. It's lifting weights. It's running. It's doing your sprints. It's doing your laps. Um, it is that tactical side. So I think it's it's both the player um, and the coach. Um, the, the thinking side of it is the beautiful thing that a lot of people I know don't really tap into early enough. It's one of the mistakes that I made on early too was just not um, having that long-term thinking. I'm now, I'm also a father and I think it started then too for me when I started thinking bigger and longer terms. Um, when I was growing up, um, I, I was always in awe of how people became so successful. I moved out to California when I was 19 years old. I had a Saturn, a four-door Saturn, packed it up to the brim and went to go live on someone's couch. And um, eventually, my roommate um, uh, I, I got a new roommate and, uh, I started hanging out with him and his family. His dad is a super, super famous doctor. Um, has written several New York times bestselling books. He's on TV. The guy's huge. And I got to go on family vacations with them and I got to do all this stuff. And I was just in awe of what this guy was able to do with his life. And I asked him, I said, um, you know, how did you become so successful and, and what's, what do you think the difference is between you and everybody else? And I love asking that question to a bunch of people because I always, you know, get their different results. And he said something to me that was uh, pretty profound. He goes, unfortunately, he goes, it, 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 for a lot of people, their circumstances define who they are. And so the lowest income, poorest of the poor in the country in the world, they, they have to, by their circumstances, um, or they think they have to, by their circumstances, go day by day and think day by day. The lower income, you know, they're, they're maybe thinking week by week. The middle class is thinking month by month. Like if I could just get through this month, the upper middle class is thinking maybe, you know, yearly, you know, or six months every year, whatever. And then there's the rich, the really, really, really rich, wealthy, the top 1% of the, of the world. Um, and these guys are thinking decade to decade, you yes. know, lifetime to lifetime. And he just said to himself, he goes, um, and he goes, I've personally been through, this guy's extremely wealthy. He's like, I personally seen that. He goes, but when the lesson that he learned as well was that he goes, I just stopped. He goes, he comes from a very, he's from um, uh, Missouri, just a small time guy. His parents were not doctors. Like he, he was a self-made guy. And he just told himself, he just started like, wait, what's my 10 year plan? Like, where am I going to be at? And he started acting and, 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 and thinking 
10 years in advance, like as if he was already there and like, what would he be doing with that? And the day in, that's the coach side, right? Thinking that long-term perspective. And then a player side was, all right, well then what do I got to do today that's going to get me to to where I'm going to be going 10 years from now? And then the smart, smart people learn to take that, what they're doing on a day-to-day basis and systematize that into something that could be done repeatably because they know that the repeating success, winning after winning after winning, creates this legacy thing. Yeah, so so you said something at the very beginning, which was you highlighted starting with the audience and starting with the problem. And most people are viewing their business as the solution to their own problem which is not enough money, not enough time, not happy enough, whatever it is. And you start to think long-term and you have this flip when you start seeing it as actually the solution to other people's problems. The way that you get the solution to your problem is by creating the solution for other people's. That's our job as entrepreneurs, not to look for profit. That's a byproduct. It is not to go short-term to short-term. It is by creating long-term solutions to long-term problems. And I don't think you can actually be an entrepreneur unless you have the same shift that you're talking about, which is thinking about decade to decade. Otherwise, this game will chew you up and spit you out, and you will be toast within a year. Yeah, yeah. Yep, we've seen it. Both of us have for sure. Where do you go? I love asking this question. This is my favorite question I ask everybody who comes on my show. So, you know, you're a guy with success and prestige and you're doing a lot of things. When it comes to inspiration, either inspiration for your own business or marketing inspiration, where do you go and what do you do or what's inspiring you now to continue to think big and think bigger? Oh, man, I hate it when I'm stumped. (laughs) Um, the, the answer that keeps coming up to me is nature. And, Mm. um, the reason for this is because I think we often view inspiration as going bigger. I'm inspired to do something great. I'm inspired to do something huge. I'm inspired to go do something grandiose with my life. And at the end of all of our lives, we die and we go back into the ground and we become uh, fertile soil for the next, the next thing, the next generation. And being in nature, we see that there is like this grandiose system to everything. There is, there is uh, kind of balance. There is growth that happens with or without us. What we do doesn't matter that much. What we do with our lives doesn't really affect much. Nature is going to take, like we're, everything's going to be fine with or without us. Even if global warming ends the world, nature's going to be fine. Nature is going to keep going. Nature Mm -hmm. is very long-term thinking. And a lot of stuff happens in that long-term But those systems just keep going with or without you, and it doesn't care. And for some reason, I find peace and inspiration in that. There's inspiration in the fact that I can do whatever I want or nothing at all, and it means about the same. 
And there is peace in that and knowing that it doesn't really matter because the bigger plan is just going to happen with or without me. And so it frees me up to just play, to just dance, to go as big as I want, to enjoy it as much as I want, to connect as much as I want. Because at the end of the day, we really don't matter that much. <laughs> I love it. There's I an love it. For the day, Jeremy. You don't matter that much. That is that is so good. I'm oh man, you're an excellent communicator, uh, Ryan. You are Thank an you. excellent communicator. Um, and what a good storyteller. I, are you um are you a big stoic? Uh, do you like have you read uh, Ryan Holiday's um, The Obstacles the Way? You know, I, I must say that I am very, very unfamiliar with stoicism. So um no. <laughs> I, okay. Well, you're that. What you just said there is a very stoic thing to say. I appreciate um, and it. and I would highly recommend. I think you'll resonate uh, with stoicism very much. It is all about that. It's the freedom that death provides, right? That the mm. end finality provides that um, should unlock and allow you in 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 your words. Great word choice. Dance. Um, and that that's the way that you choose to go through life. And so many people are um, afraid of the thing, the success that they have because they don't want to lose it or um, that they aren't good enough for the success. And like you said, it doesn't matter either way. And you just have this uh, beautiful freedom and knowing that, uh, that, that we will someday be underground and that uh, that is just how life works. So guess what? Your choice. Game on. Do what you'd like. Amen, brother. <laughs> awesome. We, okay, so you've been an amazing guest. How do people, if they want more information about capitalism.com, working with you, becoming you know, into your community, how do they get in touch with you? How can they follow you? Where do they go? Yeah, so my domain name is uh, not hard to remember. It's capitalism.com. My podcast is also called capitalism.com with Ryan Daniel Moran. And uh, my personal Instagram is at Ryan Daniel Moran. So I, I help entrepreneurs build businesses and invest the profits. And I sometimes do workshops at my home, but uh, most people would just want to follow my content. And that's the podcast and over at uh, capitalism.com. Well, you probably just won over thousands of new fans. <laughs> you were amazing today. Thank you so much, Ryan, for your time. I really Thanks appreciate so much it. Thanks for having me, Jeremy. Appreciate it. There you go. That concludes another episode of the Secrets of Marketers podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you're looking for even more content, more ideas, more things that you can do today to help grow your business, then head on over to my Instagram page at Secrets of Marketers. I've got a bunch of content on there and we are giving you guys access to all the behind the scenes stuff that go into making these episodes happen, as well as even more content that you can start to apply to your business today. And if you guys like this show, then help me spread the word. Go to the podcast page on iTunes and leave me a review. It's how I can rank well and how other people can find me. So go for it. Thanks for making my dreams come true. Now go make yours come true. Thanks again.